Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 48 of the Open World Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Flood, and I'm joined by a very interesting guest today. His name is Ryan Buckley. He's the co-founder of Scripted.com, which connects web businesses with content writers. Uh, but we actually became acquainted to, uh, through his side project, of which I'm a raving fan, Twofer. Twofer is one of the apps I talk about in my book, Hack Email. Uh, it's a tool Ryan built for himself where you can input a person's name and website and it returns email addresses with amazing accuracy, saving a ton of time in case you need to find people's contact information very quickly. The side project has helped to pay off Ryan's uh, grad student loans of more than $100,000 and provided a nice extra income boost. I love the tool and I feel very privileged to have Ryan with us today as an entrepreneur and a chief sales hacker for startups. We got to talking after I published my book, and it became obvious that this is someone I had to interview on the show. So welcome, Ryan, and thank you for being here. Thanks, Danny. Glad to be here. Uh, so maybe you could tell me and the listener a little bit more about you and your backstory, and how did you get involved in these startups and become an entrepreneur? Sure. So um, I've, I've always been interested in, in starting things, like the the creative process has always been really interesting to me. I think that's why um, I, I got into music, for example, um, to compose music, start start from a blank page and, and build a song, something that I did a lot of in high school. Um, in college, was really into environmental policy and started a, a few environmental organizations at UC Berkeley really figured out the political and power structure there and and figured out how to build something that would last beyond my time at UC Berkeley. I think that was really my first brush at entrepreneurship. Um, and that, that bug really stayed with me after I graduated. Um, and I went down to Los Angeles, took a consulting job, private sector um, consulting firm, and, uh, and met met my co-founder who uh, I would talk to about all kinds of ideas. took us a year and a half to land on one that we both agreed um, was worth putting money into. In the meantime, he went to UCLA Business School. I went to the Harvard Kennedy School to study government and get back into the environmental side of things. But we launched um, a screenwriting software company called Script. It's web-based screenwriting software. So it's right around the time that um, that Google Docs was was first coming out. This was 2006, 2007, and we thought that we could build something that would uh, be really beneficial for for writers to communicate, collaborate with each other, and that studios might be interested in harnessing their collective creativity. Long story short, um, we ended up folding that site and pivoting over to Scripted, um, which is now my, my full-time job, my most successful company, and we've now raised about $15 million for that business. Um, while we were in the very, very early days of Scripted, 
on the side, I started to find ways to automate our lead generation process um, and taught myself PHP and Python um, and these these scripts that I wrote to discover business email addresses and uh, and drip campaigns that would very very in a very targeted way and in a way that wasn't offensive to the people who we were sending these messages to um, to really start to drum up business for scripted which is a, a content marketplace like you said it's it's a way for businesses to get great content um, crowdsourced from a bunch of talented writers that many of whom we got to know in the early days of our screenwriting startup um, so that sort of brings me to where I am now. Um, still, still on the side, uh, weekends, evenings, keeps my mind sharp to be able to develop on twofer. And, uh, and I spend my days continuing to grow scripted at the same time. Ryan, if I can ask you, why did that first entrepreneurial endeavor flop, uh, script? What mistakes did you make? Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it seems obvious now, but, um, Two, two things. So there were, there were really two opportunities to make money on script. One was to sell content to studios. And it's kind of funny. My wife and I are watching Entourage now. Um, I, I missed it when it first came out. So we're watching all of the seasons on Netflix. And uh, it's painfully obvious how many screenplays and screenwriters are out there in Hollywood. Um, and 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 how much of a problem there is not for studio executives to get a hold of screenplays. Um, so we thought we were going to be adding value by by giving studio execs more access to screenplays. Um, in fact, that's probably the last thing that they want. Um, so there wasn't a business model there. On the flip side, we thought, well, maybe we can charge for this software um, and any any business school person would tell you that um, having a customer base that has no money pretty much by definition a struggling screenwriter is is uh, does not have a lot of disposable income um, probably not not the best customer base to build a business from so really because of those two things we we were not able to to grow scripts in a way that um, our early investors and that really ourselves were interested in pursuing long term. Um, so we actually we ended up selling it to another um, screenplay contest company, um, and they subsequently shut the site down. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So- yeah. It was that classic rookie mistake, the, the wrong product market fit, creating a product that, that seems like a great idea, but turns out no one can, no one wants it or, or can afford it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 It was just um, our, our total available market, our, our TAM, as, as they say in business school, was just way too small. Um, we thought it was huge. Like we were looking at how much money is spent on on content from studios, but there's, there's just no demand for our product there. And then really our, our TAM was, was the, the pocket change that screenwriters have, which is nothing. Um, so fortunately we were able to pivot 
um, successfully over to content marketing. And instead of, uh, instead of screenwriters being our customers now, businesses are our customers. And that's a much better place to be. And so how did you make that pivot? When did you discover that profitable idea? And So we made that pivot in 2011. Um, I was at South by Southwest in March 2011 and met uh, a marketing executive from Levi's. We got a call from them later that summer that they um, knew us as a community of screenwriters, but they did not want a film, um, a, 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 any film writing. They didn't want a screenplay. Um, they had an ad, an ad brief that they were looking to basically crowdsource. Um, so we got that project, and our writers loved it. Levi's loved it. And that's what got us interested in talking to other startups and other friends of ours who were in marketing departments in San Francisco. Um, and at, we asked them if they needed any writing done, if they needed blog posts or tweets or anything. And uh, the response across the board was, was yeah, like they, they all needed writing. And, and that's when I think it clicked that we could use these writers to um, be the supply side of a marketplace. And then all we needed to do was go out and find businesses that needed writing. Um, and we needed to do it as cheaply as possible. So, so that's where the email marketing um, strategy came up. And you're something of an authority on the subject of uh, cold email marketing. Yeah, yeah. Would you say, is that the most uh, effective uh, marketing approach that you have tried? In the, in the early days, were you, did you have to set up these meetings in person to personally close people? No, no. <clears throat> Every deal we did was, was by email. Um, and I, I still stand by it. If, if you do it right, and then that's the huge caveat, is... Um, you have to be very targeted. You have to be careful about who you're approaching and what that message is that you're approaching them with. Um, the, the response is, is almost universally positive. If, uh, if you can get the right message to the right person and you really feel like you're doing them a favor by telling them about this, then, uh, then it's extremely powerful and extremely inexpensive. So it's really about just like uh, packaging up your message and making sure that it's highly targeted. Um, yeah. Can, yeah. You, can you tell me how, how do you do that? I mean, I, I've, I've been using two for quite a bit when I have to plan a, an outreach campaign. Um, I've been studying some different uh, tools out there like import.io. Have you yep. heard of that one? Um, and just like yeah, subscribing. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe you can throw out a few goodies here. Like uh, what, what are some techniques you've tried? Yeah. Um... So the, the, the simplest way to get started with it is to either um, hire a virtual assistant or just do this yourself. Um, go on LinkedIn through the website. No, no fancy scraping with this approach. And, um, and just do some LinkedIn searches for um, people who you think would be interested in whatever it is you're selling um, for a $99 a month LinkedIn subscription, you get more access to additional filters and search terms. Um, so that's a great place to start just to, to begin building out your lists. Um, outside of LinkedIn, of course, you can, you can uh, using Google 
um, find find lists of companies that other people have found or go to trade organizations and get those lists of companies, go to those websites one by one and, and pull the names of the executives. That's a little bit more tedious than just going to the single business directory that, that is always the most up to date. Um, so I recommend doing that either with, with yourself or, or hiring a virtual assistant on, on Upwork or Elance to do that for you, get the first name, the last name, and the company, and then uh, Twofer, tools like Twofer can do the rest um, to get the email address. You start small. Um, always better to start small. Um, test as much as possible your subject lines and the email itself. Um, I've found that that Yesware and uh, Outreach Tout are great tools to do automated drip campaigns, which really means you get that second or third follow-up email automated, um, saves you a lot of time. And then they'll also, and this is key, um, they'll automatically suppress someone who replies back. So you don't have to worry about them awkwardly getting your second or third follow-up drip um, after you've already started a, an email exchange with them. I see. Um, Ryan, if I could circle back for a second. Um, I wanted sure. to ask you, what are some of the search terms that you use when you're using LinkedIn, for instance? You mentioned that um, it was really important to be very targeted. So yeah. how do you find the right companies? What companies in particular were you looking for when you, you do this? Yeah. Um, so with, with Scripted in the early days, we knew that um, well, we had a thesis that every business needed content. So rather than searching for company names or going by company size or company industry, we just started with titles. And we figured that if a company was mature enough in their content marketing to have someone with the title of editor or someone with, with content in their title like content marketing manager then they were probably a really good uh, prospect, highly qualified prospect for us. Um, so you can use, just depending on what you're selling, you, you can use the, the titles, like if there is a particular title in a company, you can use that to basically qualify the entire company. Um, like if you're selling some kind of social media management SaaS um, uh, service, then um, if there's a company with a social media manager on staff, then they probably have a budget for it because there's, there's an FTE dedicated to social media and that entire company is probably um, a good prospect and, and you've identified the person who you're going to go in there first um, to see. Okay, awesome. And you mentioned uh, Yesware. You said you yeah. send uh, three automated drip emails, correct? Yeah, yeah, even up to four or five, and wow. and yeah, <laughs> at least in in our industry and in, in content marketing, um, we I, I like to do it seven days apart. Um, most of these guys don't like to be um, don't like to be approached too often, so I only send I send my drips one week apart. You don't worry that you're being annoying after four or five emails. No, no. Um, <laughs> uh, the the first one, and, and this is what I tell people: the first email is just your excuse to send the second. 
um, because your biggest, your best replies um, are, and and your highest reply rate are going to happen on your second and third trips. Um, and then the fourth or fifth are just sort of Hail Marys. Like that's kind of where you get to experiment with, uh, with, with a different kind of message. You can throw an offer in there. Um, that's, that's just, that, that's, that's your testing ground because if, if they haven't responded after three emails, they may read it. They may not. Um, if they haven't replied and, and told you to, to, to buzz off, then, then, uh, you, you can, you can throw that Hail Mary pass and, and maybe learn something about how to market your company better. <laughs> I love I love that mindset you take. It's like you know I'm just going to try and um, you know win or lose. I'm going to learn something from this interaction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, there there are a lot of people who who are hesitant to send cold emails. Mm-hmm. Um, I've uh, I've found that again if you start small and you test a message, um, you can you can find out if if. Uh, if you're turning people off really quickly and if you do it right, you really shouldn't get very many negative replies. Um, and, and by that, by very many, I mean like less than one or 2% should come back with like a viscerally negative response. Usually when I get a negative reply to my drip campaigns, it's people saying, Oh, thank you, but I'm just not interested right now. Or we're not in the market for that. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's usually not. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna report you to the spam police, or I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna do business with you guys, and I'm gonna tell all my friends not to do business with you either. Like you, you just don't get those if you do this right. Email is kind of like the, the trenches, anyways. You know, you kind of expect yeah. this to happen. I mean, yeah, it's basically the front line of of sales and, and marketing in general. So given the context, I mean, it's not entirely unexpected that you would get a three, four cold emails from a company like yours. Yeah. And, and I get, I get cold drips all the time myself <laughs> and, and, uh, and I appreciate them. Like if, if I don't, if I'm not interested, I usually actually don't write back. I just ignore it. Mm-hmm. But, um, but still, I, I think in, in a lot of ways, it's helpful, too, just to, to see what's out there, get a better understanding of new technology that's in the market, um, things that I wouldn't know about or hear about otherwise randomly show up in my inbox. And, uh, and every once in a while, if, if the pitch is right and the timing is right, I'll engage with them. Um, you know, so... It's it's kind of a two way street. I, I feel like I can't I can't promote this. Uh, there's certainly people who do it who do it really well, and others who don't. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about what the the content of email. What makes for a great email? As far as um, you mentioned earlier, I think you're just being helpful to people. One, yeah. and um, two, I want to ask you about your call to action as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, should have a, a, a descriptive subject line that um that actually describes what the content of the email is going to be about um tricky subject lines are bad um uh, something that misrepresents what you're actually trying to do something that's a little too hokey um just turns people off you, you got to be honest so that's that's rule number one and that applies to the body of the email as well you have to be honest about who you are and what you're selling 
because I think people will, will, will call BS um, or they'll sense it. And like worst case, if you actually get a positive reply back on something that you don't actually have and you can't actually sell, then you're wasting your time. But worst of all, you're wasting their time. You got them interested in something that you can't deliver on. So, so that's like honesty is number one. And then I'd say number two, uh, the message itself has to be short and sweet. Um, it should be, it should speak immediately to the, the value that the customer is going to get. It shouldn't be about you and your product. It should be about them and what they need and, uh, and a problem that they probably have that they're looking to resolve. So it, it's got to be a customer centric message. Um, and then on the call to action side, here's, here's where it's going to depend on your market and, and your customers. Um, always good to get people on the phone so you can, you can close with, uh, can, do you have 10 minutes to speak on the phone in the next couple of days? Um, you can also follow up with a, uh, a request to, to demo view a presentation. You can send them a link where they can get some time on your calendar. Um, I, result, I, I, I save more aggressive call to actions for, for later, later drips. Um, another good one is if you're, not, if you're not the right person to speak to, could you forward my email along to the right person? And, uh, and you'd be surprised how well that works. People will actually forward your email over, and, and then you'll often get a reply from that person who, who gets, who's, who's uh, the recipient of the forward because then it looks like a warm intro. Um, so, so that's one that, looks, that, that works really well, too. Interesting. And you said that you actually become bolder and bolder with each email that you send. Is that kind of to provoke a reply? Well, um, it's, yes, <laughs> it is to, to, to provoke and also to test. And, uh, and if you find that a bolder call to action um, is working, then you might want to incorporate that into, the, into, into one of the earlier drips in the first or the second one. And I remember reading an article where you said that uh, the money is almost never in the first email. Yep. So that you have to like, persistently follow up in your second and third emails. That's, that's when you really start to get a response. And I think that most entrepreneurs, like maybe they just give up after the first email and they never even hear from them. Yeah. The vast exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, your first email is is almost always your lowest reply rate. Usually has a pretty good open rate, um, but usually the lowest reply rate. And then your second and third drips um, have better open rates and better reply rates. And 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 like I said, I stand by the the idea that the first email is just the excuse to send the second one, because <laughs> the second one you can say, "Hey, I sent you an email a week ago. Just wanted to follow up," and then you do your little pitch and your your short pitch and your short call to action. Um, but that that second one is is really where it starts to work. <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I follow the exact same approach. Uh, approach. My second email is uh, I use a subject line. Did you get this email? And my whole mindset going in is I just want to make sure that, you know, the evil male demon didn't uh, snatch away my first email and, and confirm <laughs> that, that it got through to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about uh, Tufer. You, you developed that yourself. Um, I'm a big fan of that, by the way. I was using, uh, oh, God, there's another tool out there. It's like emailgenerator.io or something like that, I think. 
Uh, oh, email, email finder.io. Is that it? Yeah. And I yeah. actually, you have to manually cross check, um, you know, different email addresses that way uh, mm -hmm. using Reportive, um, which is very time consuming, but I love this app that you've created. It saves a bunch of yeah. time. Um, how, how did you, when did you develop that? How did you, how did you do that? And, uh, what have been the results of that so far? Yeah. Um, so I, years ago, I, I started to develop it, and uh, and for a long time, it was just some Python scripts that I would I would manually run. Um, sometimes to generate, well, usually to generate um, leads in the very early days for scripted. And then I had some other friends of mine and and prior and previous colleagues who uh, would actually pay me to do some of that um, list generation for them. So it was just kind of a, like a little consulting business um, at first, and uh, and then got to the point where I couldn't really scale that. So I needed to build a web interface where they could, instead of having to go through me, they could they could just go through a website to do the same, um, get the same results back. And uh, and I'm not an engineer. I've I've uh, always been curious about it, but studied economics and environmental sciences in, in college and then policy and business in grad school, but um, always wanted to know how to code. And, uh, and so this was probably also back in 2011, 2012-ish. Um, I, uh, I just started nights and weekends um, learning PHP, of all things, uh, and this particular web framework called CodeIgniter, um, which was the same language, programming language and, and web framework that um, the screenwriting website was built on. So I thought I'd, I'd uh, sort of kill two birds with one stone. I'd scratch this itch to better understand how to program and also put myself in a position where I can contribute to the maintenance of our screenwriting website. Um, so that was that was really why I, I dove in head first and um, took about a year, I think, off and on to to get it live and uh, and really get people registering. Um, and for a while, it was free, just entirely free. Um, but to do any bulk stuff, you'd, you'd still have to go through me. And then uh, and then I put a paywall up about two years ago now, and uh, and then. Um, yeah, I mean, since then, that's, that's when friends of mine in the sales community in San Francisco would start to promote it, and uh, and that's made all the difference. It's still very much just a, a nights and weekends kind of project. Very little support, very little maintenance, and uh, and and it's been fun. I, I think it's made me a better salesperson. It's made me a better um, business person, and I think has made me a lot more. Um, a lot more dangerous with my my scripted work, just in that I understand things better. I, it's a different business model than we have at scripted um, with the subscription. So uh, I think that's been really interesting too. Have you developed uh, a procedure for scripted using uh, Tufer as as part of the process? And um, you mentioned that you're familiar with import.io. So is there yeah. like a step by step uh, process that you follow and that you teach? Well. Yeah, scripted right now is entirely inbound. Actually, oh, I'm. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, 
it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum as twofer. And, and I find that really interesting as well. Um, I have uh, five people on my sales team at Scripted, and, and they're entirely fed by inbound leads. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> so there's, there's definitely something to be said for, for a really good content marketing campaign, too. Um, and, and I think at some point, Scripted will need to go back to, um, to outbounding and outbound email marketing um, and finding that balance of both. And actually using the two to, to leverage each other, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And that, like, that'll be the, the future stages of Scripted's growth and, and how we, we go from five sales reps to 15 sales reps. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing that. And then, and then in the meantime, on the twofer side, it's, uh, I do get a little bit of an inside peek into what, how other companies are doing it and, and the types of leads that they're doing and how, uh, the type of leads that they're getting and, and, and how many leads, um, they're sending in their campaigns. Right. Um, because it's now over, it's getting close to about 7,000 registrations, um, on the two for side, I can pull them and, and get some interesting information on, uh, like state of the email marketing industry. Yeah, I guess what I'm after is um, how can you build in a massive degree of leverage? If, if you were to go into a new startup and they said, you know, hey, Ryan, we want you to develop this uh, outbound campaign for us. Um, mm-hmm. as, as far as if you really wanted to leverage, you know, the available resources that you have in a oh, yeah. startup, uh, how, how would you go about it? Yeah, uh, so so using a tool like, um, like say, Import.io, if uh, if if you're if you're working at say a, a point of sales company, and you're trying to target small businesses um, who who uh, who might be interested in in using your your point of sales application, then using a tool like Import.io, you could build a a process to pull information off of Yelp. Um, get get business names, get business addresses. Um, you might be able to get a name of someone off of the Yelp page of, of the owner, but you can at least get phone numbers and, and in some cases email addresses. Use that information to uh, to, to build um, build lists, uh, either leveraging LinkedIn to get names or. Um, there's other other technologies that can help you to automate dialing, um, or at least organize it really well in your CRM. Um, so you use available tools on the internet to um, to gather that information, fill in the gaps where there's data missing, and then ultimately reach the businesses that um, that that were on that original list um, to deliver your message to them. And do you, when you deliver the message, um, you mentioned Yesware. Does it send out, um, do you do like mass automated mailing with uh, tools like that? With Yesware, there's, there's a limit because okay. it, it actually uses your Gmail account um, to do the sending. And there's a sign and, limit of about, what, 100 or 200? How much is it? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a couple hundred um, because okay. cause Google just wants to limit um, 
how, how their accounts are being used basically for newsletters. <laughs> so, um, for, so for, Yesware has that, that limit. It's great for low-volume campaigns. Um, mm. there, are, there are other tools out there, um, Sendbloom being one. Tout app is another. Um, HubSpot actually just came out with, um, with another tool called Sidekick. And, uh, and has some additional tools for, for sales, sales efficiency. Um, all of those are worth looking into. They're all very inexpensive and, uh, and, and certainly go, certainly what will pay for themselves um, once you have a product that you can actually use to sell. Fantastic. And I actually use uh, myself Streak. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's a free alternative. Uh, oh where you can do, uh, it's called Mail Merge, and basically it takes, uh, if you have a name, uh, like a field for a name in a Google Doc, for instance, it will take mm -hmm. that name and then input it into uh, the field in the email, so it'll be customized oh, for each cool. recipient. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of a way to personalize a little bit. Um, yeah. if, 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 like you said, if it's low volume, I, I try to personalize more if possible. Um, but then you just kind of, yep. it becomes really time consuming. Yeah. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So Danny, I'm going to have to leave in about five minutes okay. by the way. Is that all right? Yeah, no, no problem. Um, okay. I, I just, I just, we're going to wrap up soon anyhow. So okay. it's, it's not a okay. problem. Um, uh, yeah. So you shared some great, uh, tips and, and strategies, um, and, uh, in this, this emailing, cold emailing system. Um, I'd like to ask you, before we kind of close off here, uh, mm -hmm. what are some other big things that you've tried to kind of uh, growth hack your companies? Um, what's, what's really worked well for you? You mentioned content marketing. Um, anything else you could share with us? Yeah. Um, guest posting and syndication is, is also uh, uh, basically a free Technique. It just takes a little bit of your time. Um, it's been been great for me, both at Scripted and at Twofer. We um, for Scripted, we now have several partners who will um, take our blog posts and then syndicate them on on their um, on their websites. Things like Social Media Examiner and um, and other other marketing sites like that great way to get more exposure. It's kind of a win-win. They, they need content and, and we need exposure. Um, another, another great way to get in front of people is, is just by offering to, to write something custom for, for their blog. Um, so those, those two um, more inbound content marketing techniques are great. Um, another one that we've we've discovered is is awesome and and inexpensive is to um, just host a webinar with another company, gather gather some information, collect some original data from your customers, or just research online. And uh, you could do you could you could use Google Hangouts. You could use um, some some other free services. ReadyTalk is a it's a good one. It's a little bit expensive, but. Um, but, but that would work as well. And if you both parties, like the reason why you want to partner with someone on a webinar is to leverage their network and, uh, and their outreach. 
Um, you both do those campaigns to attract people to the webinar. You share the registration list. And it's essentially like uh, a lead generation done for you. Um, and that's been really effective for us at Scripted. Fantastic. And um, if I can uh, add one piece of advice there, if you ever do live uh, webinar, live hangouts, um, make sure you have a rock solid internet connection as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because if it drops that's during a live event, then uh, you have a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's no good. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. Thank you so much for, for being so generous uh, with everything you shared here and, and also for your time, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Danny. This was fun. Enjoy chatting with you. Okay. Yeah, and uh, best of luck with uh, uh, Scripted and Twofer. What's what's next for you? What are, what are your plans? Yeah, well, um, for for Scripted, uh, it's it's a never-ending, um, fascinating battle against poor quality content. So um, we have some really interesting features that we're going to be releasing over the next quarter to uh, keep keep moving the ball down the field um, with con to develop and, and, and consistently deliver high quality writing and uh, and then on the two for front it's uh, it's again also just, just kind of a, a, a steady improvement in both the stability of the platform uh, finding different ways to allow it to scale and uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get a redesign and, and also like a, a brand new platform build out in the next few months. Um, but, you know, all of that depends on how much stamina I, I have on, on these nights and weekends. <laughs> yeah. In addition to being a parent as well. <laughs> in addition to being a parent as well. That's right. <laughs> well, guys, go check out those uh, two websites, scripted.com and twofer.com, a tool which I love very much. Thank you again, Ryan. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Danny.